Our first game up on Sunday, we have the Falcons at the Chiefs. We've currently got the Falcons plus 10 and a half points and a total of 54. The Chiefs are 0-5-1 against the spread in their last six games. And I think this is a pretty poor spot for them coming off that hard-fought New Orleans win. Exactly. The Falcons have been playing better as of late. They haven't been consistent, especially on offense, but their defense has definitely picked up. So I don't see the Chiefs walking over them, especially in the first half. They might figure things out by the second half just because the Falcons' pass rush is so poor that Mahomes is going to have the time to go through his progressions. But I see the back end holding up for a while anyway for the Falcons. And the offense could do well. Russell Gage is playing better. Ridley's been amazing. Hurst has been pretty good. That run game's uh, the offensive line still should be better. But I can't get a good read on this. The Chiefs shouldn't blow them out, so 10.5 is just a bit much. But it would have to be 12, 13 for me to actually love it and put money on it. Yeah, I'm leaning slightly more towards the Falcons plus the points in this. It's just more of the fact the Falcons always look better in games that mean nothing for them. They'll want to play big for their coach. I think Morris could be their coach for next year. He's done decent enough things with this team, and it'll be really good to see what he can do with a full offseason as well. The Chiefs, however, shouldn't be letting up in this game. If they do win, they do have that chance to clinch the conference and get that first round by. So it is a game that they're going to want to get out there and win. But as we've seen all yet, the Chiefs haven't been winning games big. They've been making them look easy, but their defense is that bad. They have not been winning big. Exactly. No lead is safe for them in either way. They can be down 24 and come back. They could be up by 17 and let in three touchdowns in the fourth quarter, and then Mahomes has to save it at the end. It's going to be an interesting playoffs because of that, as they're easily the best team in the league, but I still do not fully trust them. I don't see them being on a tier that they were on last year, that those amazing Patriots teams were in years before, those amazing Seahawks teams. I have them a little bit below that just because their defense is not good other than Chris Jones. And some guys that come and go, Mateo's been inconsistent, even though I still think he has the talent to put it all together. That back end is just up and down all the time. Pass rush, uh, Jones only one getting penetration against a Falcons offensive line that might be able to hold up. Matt Ryan, just not a good year to be average. He's better than I think he's been playing, which is part of why I like that plus. Although total, staying away from, I have no read on the total at all. Yeah, I lean slightly towards the over on the total, but definitely not enough to put any type of money on that. Le'Veon Bell should be the number one running back for the Chiefs. Clyde Edwards-Alaire looks to be out in this one, so that's going to be interesting. We haven't seen much from Bell for about three years now, so it'll be interesting to see if he can actually play well enough 
to be able to do anything. That Falcons run defense has been better over the last few weeks. They kept the Bucks down to about was a 50, 55 yards on the ground last week. That was more of the fact in the second half they had to throw the ball like crazy because once again, Tom Brady was down against the Falcons and he somehow managed to claw back a win. Just an amazing game last week. I feel so bad for Falcons fans. That doesn't matter the team, the situation. They just go through the same stuff over and over and over. I sadly wasn't watching the game live, or and I may have chucked a cheeky five or ten on the Bucks to come back if they're paying, you know, four to five to one, being down that much at halftime. You know the Falcons are going to do something to at least give the other team a chance. Matt Ryan just throwing so many interceptions and making poor decisions. He's used to having Julio there, and Julio's just been absent all year. I'm hopeful. He comes back next year, Morris stays, and they make kind of one more go of it if they can get one, two more defensive pieces. The way I see for the Falcons next year, one of Julio or Ryan will not be there, potentially both. I think the contracts are just too big. They're going to be in a rebuild situation. I mean, even if they pull some pieces in, this is still an 8-8 football team. They need to crush it up, and they need to start again and rebuild. I very much agree. I just don't think that an old owner like Blank is going to be like, cool, let's do that. He's going to want to have one more go. So I see them doing that the year after, but instead of trading, just releasing. It would be smarter, as you said, to do it now so you can actually trade and get some value back. But I see them one more go. Seven to nine, eight and eight next year, and then releasing them because it's still crazy money that is still guaranteed, I think, and can't be traded. So, player props in this one the Falcons have been terrible against tight ends all season, and the Chiefs have Travis Kelsey. That is a scary thought. That's probably why I can't actually find that prop somewhere because they don't know how high to actually make this and I'm probably still going to go over whatever they said it at. As long as it's not ridiculous, like 110 and 12 receptions. Yeah, he probably still goes over. He, Tyree, I agree. That's why I went that high. Tyreek Hill gets a great matchup, but has not been in practice the last couple of days. So definitely keep an eye on Tyreek Hill when we're coming up to an active list. If he can't go... It's me, Cole Hardman time. Now, Hardman ended up on 22 receiving yards last week. I think he fell a half a yard short of where the initial number was. Luckily, when I actually went to bet some Miko Hardman, his number fell to 20.5, and I managed to get the cleanup on him once again. And... As an added bonus for the second week in a row, he scored that touchdown at 6-1, to one, which was simply fantastic. Why is it still so high? I mean, I know they have a lot of weapons, but he got COVID is the only thing that really derailed him and seems to be fine after. Sometimes it is matchup-based. 
I know we kind of laid off him after we had him as a best bet, and then he played zero snaps, but was made active. So bets were not void, which I got upset about. If you're not going to play him and he just got sick, inactive, mate, come on. Not fair. Think about your fans. So what visor you're going to wear, Mr. Reed? So with Michael Hardman last week, he caught two or three balls for 22 yards on 10 targets. He was targeted like a boss. Unfortunately, a lot of them was in doubled coverage and he just didn't have a chance. But Mahomes really, really wanted to get him the ball. Mahomes really wanted to get Hardman involved. So I can see that carrying over again this week, even if Hill does play. Hill is one of those conundrums where you want to root for the guy. He's been very talented, has pretty much stayed out of trouble. But how long is his body type going to last physically? And then off the field, can you trust him to keep everything together? Or is this going to be an Antonio Brown situation kind of thing in the future? So you need to prepare for that and get these other young guys to fall. Once again, I have no reason to believe that this would change other than his past, but Hill, I don't know about the shelf life of him. I don't see him being this elite for an extended period. Yeah, definitely. Now, other guys I have here, Matt Ryan to go over 39.5 pass attempts. I think they're going to be throwing the ball a lot. That run game has been brutal for the Falcons this year. And even when they do get the ball to the running backs, Matt Ryan does throw it out of the backfield quite a bit as well. So I can see them chasing in this game and trying to throw the ball like crazy. The other one here is Young Way Koo. Koo has been the number one kicker in the NFL this season. Over seven and a half kicking points for Koo week in, week out. He goes over that total. The Falcons could have three field goals in the first quarter, and Koo goes over that total. He can kick the ball from anywhere. Now, they're out looking at 10-mile-per-hour wins in this game, so that is something to be aware of. I'm not sure which direction it's going in, but it could be one of those ones where if it goes along the field, he might be kicking 55 yarders from one end and 40 yarders from the other. Exactly. The Falcons not having any running game at all leads me to believe that any touchdowns they score are going to be the longer outside the red zone or from like the 15 onwards variety. They're not going to be scoring in close. So I can see him getting some chip shots and the win not actually mattering. Ryan did play well last week, especially the first half, but that second half just a little bit wanting. I like Hayden Hurst over. I think he's going to start to get a little more involved. I like Laquan Treadwell to score a touchdown at whatever crazy amount it's going to be. I love that sound. If it's a crazy amount, I I like it. I think the Falcons are going to score a touchdown with some random people. You still have a terrible look on your face, Cape Man. Yeah, 
Treadwell popped up on the stat sheet a few weeks ago for the Falcons, and I was like, oh, my God, this guy's still alive. I just can't do it. He was such a bust for the Vikings. I don't want to go anywhere near Treadwell forever. They just have no one else. They have no one. Pass the ball to Young Way Koo. Koo can't do any wrong. Give the shorts a chance to catch some balls. <laughs> uh, I actually think, now that you say that, that could be in play. Hey, let's show some gratitude to this guy. Let's have the first Asian touchdown. They try to do a pass to Koo and into the red zone. Now, does that count as points? Does he get the six no. points for that? Kicking points. Oh, boo, boo. I, I hoped it was just total points and we could get some Young Way Koo TD. Yeah, so I looked into that with a few fake plays, fake field goal plays to see if that would work, but no, it has to be kicking points to get hey, that. Man, I love I love that you had the answer to that question. That's how much work you put into this, man. Now our next game up, we have the Panthers at the football team. That's the Washington football team, not just any random football team. We've got a number of minus one and a half for Washington, a total of 44 and a half. We have no word on the quarterback situation for Washington. Doesn't really matter, to be honest. I think the Panthers win this one, even if they are away from home. I can't get too much of a read on the total. Washington's defense is very, very good. But Dwayne Haskins, if he plays, is terrible. He has been stripped of the captaincy after he was caught at a strip club maskless. You know, it would have been totally fine if he was wearing yeah. a mask. But no, mask off, covered in glitter, and photographed. So Dwayne Haskins might play, but he will not be a captain. Do you think it would matter at all if pictures of him were leaked out and everyone had no clothes on, including him, everyone had no clothes on but masks? Oh, that would be fine because they has to wear a mask. Yeah, exactly. He could be completely naked with strippers after the game. All good. Just wear a mask. Same thing with Harden. I don't care about your beard. Just wear a mask. I don't care about the science. You get paid millions of dollars to follow some rules. I'm pretty sure you can deal with some slight inconveniences to your beard and or lifestyle and look. Especially Harden. Uh, You have no style anyway. So the Washington defense may be the best defense in the NFL right now from the pass rush linebackers down to that secondary. They cannot do any wrong. This is one absolutely stout defense. I rate them above Bears, above the Colts, above Miami. I put them just next to the Rams because I still really like the blue-chip talent on the Rams' defense. But Washington's pass rush especially is simply insane. Chase Young is one for the future. 
between him and Nick Bosa on the 49ers, those are going to be the next level of defensive line pass rushes. Agreed. I think Washington will be the best defense in the league next year. They're probably going to get a few more pieces in that back seven. That front four, or really front seven of the four, is just incredible. They're even without Matt Ioannidis, and he's very underrated, very talented player that's still pretty young. I agree. I do have the Panthers in this. I can't say I love it. The Panthers have mostly been playing well. They've had a tough schedule. They've let some games kind of go at the end. But that Washington offense is just so bad as of late. Hasn't really mattered too much who's been back there either. But Haskins is even worse. So I can see few turnovers happening. The Panthers coming out on top. But Haskins being so bad could make this game go over that I can't hit the under 44 and a half. Like, I think it's going to go under, but still can't touch it because Haskins could throw pick six or fumble on his own five-yard line, and then you don't win. Absolutely. So if Alex Smith does play, sure, Washington is absolutely in this game. Smith has been quite solid this season, but Smith's under an injury club. Antonio Gibson may or may not play. He's under an injury cloud. Terry McLaurin is dealing with that consistent ankle injury that's been hampering him the last few weeks. And McLaurin has looked terrible over the last few weeks. They have shown they have no receivers outside of them. And when McLaurin can't go, there's nobody that can catch the ball. That's why Logan Thomas caught 50,000 balls last week and was basically the only receiver to even see a bloody target. Why does McLaurin have to look terrible and yet hit his over to cost me a $2 multi and $136? It was just two bucks, so I can't get too mad. But come on, man. He was he was done for. And then that last drive got a bit of a miracle kind of catch there. They're just throwing it up. I thought the Seahawks should have been able to run out that game and I got the ball back, but that's how bad the Seattle offensive line is and how good the Washington offensive line is. It's part of the reason why I worry about this game, and I can see the Panthers being ahead all game but not being able to close it out because it's so hard to close out games against Washington. doesn't matter who you are that Haskins could play terrible and still hang around. I'm just staying away from this game. few player props here and there that I like. How about you? Yeah, so one thing just to note on this game is this game has actually been flexed out to the 4.05 time slot just because of the Dallas game being later as well. And there is a chance that if Washington wins this, they do clinch the division and they make that NFC East title. But... As we were talking last week when we said at $36 to one was an amazing bet for the Cowboys to win the division. They needed to win out and Washington lose out. Washington lost last week. Dallas won. That number's down to $15. So that value has been sucked dry. There is still value at 15 to one. Don't get me wrong. 
especially if Dwayne Haskins plays in this game 15-1 to 1 on Dallas to win the division. There is still value there. You're not getting that amazing 36-1 to 1 number that we saw last week, but there is still money there. It should have been under 10 last week. It should be around 7-6 to six this week, I would have thought. Instead, double and triple that. So jump on it. I'm not saying it's going to happen. There's just value there. It's a good bet to make, especially if Haskins is playing. So if you wanted to, you could wait and get it on in that minute where you see Haskins is actually playing instead of Smith. If Smith is playing, might not be as much value, although I'd probably still hit it for a little bit. Smith is just more reliable at the end of game situations, which probably will happen with the Panthers not able to close that game out, as I said before. Yeah, now I've seen other handicappers giving this 15-1 to 1 line on the Cowboys out as a, a great bet for this week, again, saying value over chance of happening. I just laughed every time I heard them say it because we were on it last week and the number was so much better. Indeed, was good to get a little bit on that. Thanks for the idea there, Caveman. Uh, obviously, no player props being released for this one yet. Any particular matchups that you really like there this week? Yeah, so the Panthers have allowed the ninth most targets to running backs. So J.D. McKissick receptions total should be a nice one. He hasn't been as great in the passing game over the last few weeks. This one I would fade unless Alex Smith is playing. If Alex Smith is playing, I'll be all over the J.D. McKissick receptions prop. If Alex Smith and Antonio Gibson are playing, this is a must bet, absolute must bet if both guys are back. I also like Logan Thomas receptions. This would be more if Dwayne Haskins plays because we found he can't target anyone but Logan Thomas. It's hard for bad quarterbacks to make completions on the outside to wide receivers for the most part, unless they're chucking the ball deep. And McLaurin's more of an intermediate kind of guy. As far as McKissick, I agree more so because – He got a lot of targets last week, but that's because they had nothing else going, and he didn't really convert those targets into much. Ten targets for only 56 yards is not great, so I can see Haskins going more to Cam Sims and really Logan Thomas. They could make that receptions six, seven and a half, and I'm probably still hitting the over, but with Haskins being so bad once again, just can't actually hit it too hard. If I see Smith, I'm down. Absolutely. Now, on the Panthers' side, there's not a lot I like in matchup-wise just because their Washington defense is so good. Curtis Samuel probably gets the best of it out of the slot. But as we always say with Curtis Samuel, you have to be careful because he does end up getting a few of those receptions down in the rushing category just because he is also that gadget guy. And Mike Davis over his receiving yards in this one. Washington hasn't been great against receiving backs, and when that pass rush comes, he's going to be standing there as a nice wee outlet. Yeah, I like that one for sure. 
But as you said, Redskins defense is so good, it's really hard to get onto any of these, especially yardage. Might be some receptions, as you said, with Mike Davis. I don't know what the line is, but maybe two and a half receptions instead of the yards, if the yards are pretty high. But probably not going to hit any Mike Davis rushing. Our next game up, we have the Bears at the Jaguars. The Bears are minus seven and a half. We have a total of 47. The Bears have been looking fantastic over the last few weeks. Mitchie Trubisky has been able to string a few games together. The Jaguars are now in that prime position for number one pick, Trevor Lawrence. I am really going to struggle with this game because I see myself by game time talking myself into Drabisky, who I've never liked college pros ever until these last three weeks. These last three weeks has only been against Detroit, Houston, and Minnesota. Not exactly defensive powerhouses this year. If anything, quite terrible. It's more just watching him on film. He looks more comfortable. He looks like he actually knows what he's doing. He can throw to both sides of the field. He actually throws the ball left once in a while and completes it. That running game is just tearing people up. Montgomery is running like he's an undrafted free agent they just signed and wants to keep his spot on the team. Jacksonville is not a team that I think is going to score a lot of points in this game. So I'm more probably leaning onto an SGM of Chicago, some points, first half for total, and Jacksonville under first half total kind of deal. What's your thoughts? Yeah, so I like Jacksonville under the points. They're currently sitting at 20 and a half or 19 and a half, depending on your book. I like under both. I think there's really good value here. I can't see Jacksonville scoring a lot of points at all. James Robinson has not practiced so far this week, and it's trending like he will not be playing. Obviously, check inactives from that. If Robinson doesn't play, it is Minshew or Gleaner. They're both in the mix to play still. They haven't named a quarterback. They're going to be throwing the ball. 50, 60 times. You're throwing the ball 50, 60 times up against this Bears defense. You are not going to win the football game. You are not going to score a lot of points in the football game if you cannot run the ball. Exactly. If this was minus seven, I would really like it. So there might be some value out there. It's just I worry about Minshew Magic at the end, which killed us and kept us from going perfect last week. You never know about him in the fourth quarter. Him and Drew Locke, they could throw two touchdowns or two interceptions and a fumble, and there's going to be lots of points and mess up what you're doing. I think the safest bets are that Jacksonville under, followed by the spread minus seven, followed by a Bears over, as I can't see this Jags team actually stopping anyone. They have not done that in quite some time. No, so... We keep saying, right, Jacksonville, they're in the prime spot, number one pick. The fan base wants them to lose. The management, the owners want them to lose. The coaches most likely want them to lose, even though none of them will be keeping their jobs anyway. The players 
do not want to lose. Never in the NFL. No, especially someone like Gardner Minshew. Because when Trevor Lawrence comes in, he took his job. (laughs) Exactly. Your job's on the line no matter what. doesn't matter who you are. Your job's always on the line. So you're not going to let up. You're going to play super hard unless you're a vet who knows that you have value in other systems like, you know, Jamie Collins when he was with the Browns. Sure, he could not play hard at all because he knew he could go back to the Patriots and all as well. If you don't have that escape parachute, you're playing hard no matter what. This is what we've seen with the Jets. No one wants to be part of an undefeated team, which is why the Jets had so much value the last few weeks and why we've been on plus on the Jets quite a few times, even if it hasn't always worked out. So if Mike Lennon plays, there is a more chance that this team will be tanking because Galenon has more of a chance of retaining his job next year no matter what because he's going to be their veteran. Gardner Minshew, if they get the number one pick, even if they get, well, they're going to get one or two, they're going to draft a quarterback. Minshew is gone. Minshew will not be there next year because you can't have him as a veteran. He doesn't have enough experience, enough savvy to be able to show a rookie quarterback how to play in the NFL. Mike Lennon does. That's a great point. It's going to be somewhat similar to Kyle Allen leaving the Panthers to go to the team of football Washingtons and hey, you are this young player that needs to actually play. You don't fit our timeline just sitting behind a guy uh, in Haskins who they didn't know about Smith at the time, Bridgewater. Bridgewater doesn't need Kyle Allen. Bridgewater knows everything already. He needs just a ready backup. So that's a great point there. If it's Glennon, I'm going to love the under 20. But if it's Minshew, I'm just going to like it a lot. So the Bears are still in the playoff hunt as well. They will be sweating on the Cardinals game on Saturday. If the Cardinals lose, the Bears are alive. So that will be a huge boost for them. Keep an eye on that Cardinals game because if the Cardinals do drop that game to the 49ers, then get some money on this Bears team. They will be coming out Yeah, I can see this going higher, which is why if you're going to bet spread, I'd try to get, you know, $1.70, $1.75 on that minus seven. So if there is a bit of magic at the end, you at least get a push. Absolutely. Now, player props in this one, obviously they have not released a lot of numbers because of that Jaguars quarterback situation and James Robinson's injuries. But guys I like for the Jaguars and players I like for the Bears, I like Allen Robinson over receptions. Cole Kmet should get a really good matchup up against a Jags team that's been terrible against tight ends. So receptions over on Kmet and David Montgomery receiving, rushing, everything. David Montgomery, we've been on this guy for weeks now. He hasn't disappointed. Let's keep the run going. I don't see him disappointing at all. 
as I said before, he's running like he's playing for that second contract and really wants to get paid. And that's what you have to do at this time. You're not going to get an easy second contract as a running back like you used to. It's a shame there's not more props for this, as I quite like a lot of those Chicago guys. For Jacksonville, I don't see them having any running game at all if Robinson's out. If Robinson is out, which I think he is, might be some good receptions plays for the Jacksonville receivers. I would not go yards, though, because there might be six-plus sacks in this game by the Bears defense. Yeah, in the first quarter. And then the rest of the game could start getting really ugly. Indeed. The more I think about it, I I might really go on that minus seven. Right now, minus seven and a half is paying over $2, so probably going to get some value there. It's just I'm betting on Mitch Trubisky, which usually you're going to have a bad time. Yeah, that is very fair. Personally, I'm just going to wait until the end of that Arizona 49ers game just to see how much intensity the Bears are going to need to bring to the game. Yeah, for sure. Our next game up, we have the Browns at the Jets. If this game was last year, the year before, basically any other year of the 2000s, we would be looking at a competition for the number one overall pick. Now we've got a Browns team that if they win, they clinch a playoff spot. And if the Jets win, they get their first winning streak of the season. If the Jets win the next three games, Gase keeps his job. No. Oh, that'd be sad, but I agree. No, Gase is fired. The only reason they didn't fire him after week six was because they wanted Trevor Lawrence. And they knew if they brought another coach in, the players might start playing up for the other coach. They were going to win two, three, four games, and the Lawrence sweepstakes over. We'll get into it another time on Lawrence. Don't want to go into it. I can talk for two hours about that. This is going to be a very, very interesting game. I like the over originally in the minus, but I don't know how much I can trust it. Still a little bit more to watch. I want to rewatch that Jets game again from last week and same with the Browns and see exactly what they're up to, who's playing up, who's just kind of getting lucky and being right place, right time. So I'm actually quite a big fan of the Jets plus the points in this one, simply because the Browns are dealing with a lot of injury issues right now. They're going to be in a bit of a flat spot after that hard-fought win at the Giants up against that good Giants defensive front. The Jets are going to be on an absolute high. I think they're going to be able to carry some of that over into this game. The Jets actually have a decent against the spread record in December. I think they've gone, they've won their last five or six games against the spread in December. So the Jets, there's a good chance they can cover this number. I don't think they're going to win it. I don't think they actually want to win it. 
but to get within 10 is a severe possibility. The Browns are going to be running the ball down the Jets' throats. The Jets rank number eight for run defense. So there is definitely some stuff to like here for the Jets plus the number. For sure. I don't think the Browns are going to take the Jets lightly, which is part of why I liked the minus, but I could easily be talking to the plus. I've been on the Jets plus quite a bit lately, and it is a giant middle finger to the organization that you know is going to fire you to really go all, all out and win these last games and say, hey, you put me in a bad position, but I won anyway, even though everyone knew I was gone. I think it's pop. It's not likely in any way, of course, but it's possible they win against the Browns and then the Patriots. I am probably going to be on them against the Patriots in Week 17, as a lot of those players are fighting for a position on the team next year when they know it's going to be a regime change. Although GM's probably going to stay the same, I'm probably going to bet this over because I do see the Jets scoring points against the Browns' defense. That is a bit. Uh, I worry that the Browns' lack of run offense might affect the over a little bit, but it might affect it in the over way as they're going to have to throw more and more incompletions, less of the clock moving, et cetera. So the Browns' O-line is shockingly riddled with injuries right now. They might be playing four backups on their offensive line. And they've had the best O-line in the league this year. If four backups have to come in, that's a bit concerning for them. Now, the Jets pass rush, in particular, Quinnen Williams, over the last few weeks has been a beast. Quinnen Williams has been absolutely lights out. I think he carries that over, and especially if this is a poor Browns offensive line, they're not going to be able to get the gaps to be able to get the running game going. They're going to be forced to run the ball onto the outside a lot more, which is easier to defend when you know it's coming. This just in, Ray, Quinnen Williams out for the year uh, on IR. Okay, so don't worry too much about the Jets pass rush this week. <laughs> Yeah, they they have it. He he looks like a game wrecker in the future. He looks like a franchise type to me. No yeah, wonder I they mean, didn't want to trade him last year. I I had him down as my number one prospect in that draft class. Obviously, a few quarterbacks went ahead of him, but and he fell to the Jets at number five. I think they got yeah. him. I had him down as my number one on my board and actually to go number two or three at the worst. He ended up going five. I thought that was a steal for the Jets. But the Jets still have a decent enough defensive front. And like I say, they're going to be going up at what should be a pretty poor offensive line for the Browns this week. Indeed. Part of the reason that I really like some player props in this game, although there's not a huge amount that have been released. There's, oh, no, more have been released. Cool. Yeah, lots of value, I think, on both sides on the player props. So some SGM potential with that over. I'm going plus or probably staying away from that spread, but can definitely see some yardage in this game. 
Yeah, well, the thing with the spread is, can you bet minus 10 points on the Browns on the road? Exactly. I don't trust Baker nearly enough to actually do that, which is why I liked the spread, just because I still think there's quite a talent disparity, but that offensive line trouble is just a bit much. You need to have at least two to three offensive linemen that are average or above, and right now it's possible they have one or zero. Yeah, so getting into player props there, for the Jets, I like Jamison Crowder. I think Crowder can have a really good day, especially through that slot, which has been the issue for the Browns defense. Jarvis Landry is going to go over five and a half. The Jets are on their, I believe, third or even fourth string slot corner. Uh, And now bless bless Austin's back. Oh, okay. Well, that affects a little bit. Okay, so I don't love it. I just like it instead. So bless Austin is back. He's not great, obviously, but he's, he's serviceable. Yeah, he's what their number two slot corner. He was Landry's receiving total is sixty nine and a half, which is way too high for Jarvis yeah, Landry. Why I'd almost be potential to go under that number. Five and a half. I just can't get to the window on it. We've been betting Jarvis Landry receptions over all year at Mm. three and a half. At three and a half, there was extremely good value all season. That number skipped the four and a half and went straight to five and a half, and I just can't do it. Fair enough. That's why I liked it, didn't didn't love it, especially after you said Bless Austin's back. I'll probably stay away from that one. I think Green Hunt is going to be involved in this one quite a bit just because they're going to look to be a little more creative with that offensive line issues. They can't just run the ball straight ahead and use that dominant offensive line. They're going to have to be a little more creative there. I like Peoples-Jones over 27.5 and him to score a touchdown, which you might be able to get around four. Don't really know about Austin Hooper. I've been on him under quite a bit, but probably just going to stay away. So Austin Hooper, there is the thing about Harrison Bryant has come in and he's really starting to steal some of those snaps. But Hooper is still the red zone guy. And I like Austin Hooper to score a touchdown in this game at $3.72 up against a Jets defense that led in the touchdown to the Rams last week. We said we weren't sure who it was going to be. I think it was Everett that got the touchdown, which means it's now 13 or 14 touchdowns. They've allowed to tight ends almost one a game. They have allowed to tight ends this season. So Austin Hooper being that bigger red zone target for the Browns, I'd like him to get a touchdown but I wouldn't go near his yards or his receiving totals. Yeah, it could be one of those six-yarders, but then it could be a 25-yard seam. Even though he's not that athletic, he can still get behind that linebacker in that seam. So usually I'm going under on him, but this is just even with his snaps going down, just a weird matchup with the Jets being so bad on tight ends. I think I'm just going to more stay away from that. As far as the Jets go, I like me some Sam 
Darnold overs, both completions. 18 and a half is just so low for an NFL quarterback as well. A little bit of Denzel Mims over 3.5 receptions. Not going to go near the yards, though. Yeah, the only other one I have on my sheet is Rashad Higgins for the Browns. Over three and a half receptions, he's starting to become a really big favorite target for Mayfield. So over three and a half receptions looks quite nice for Higgins. I don't know if I can get to the window on it, but right now Nick Chubb under 79 and a half, 21.2.1. So good value, but he might go for 120. So hard to actually go too hard on it. But they should be ahead by some amount and look to rest him for the playoffs and not get him injured as you don't want Hunt just him in the backfield. Yeah, and that's why I have Kareem Hunt over 34.5 rush yards on my sheet. I think in the fourth quarter, Chuck might not even play. You might just see Hunt. And there's also that number three guy hanging around. I forget his name. Johnson, maybe, is it? Uh, is hanging around as well. So he could get a few extra carries. And he's probably sitting at a number south of 20. Our next game up, we have the Colts at the Steelers. What a game this is expected to be. We have the Steelers plus two points at home after this game opened. Colts plus three. I was so mad with myself. I was going to bet Colts plus three, and I thought, no, I'll hold off. Should have done it. Would have found a five-point middle to be able to make some serious cash. The total is sitting at 45 with two very good defenses. Surprisingly, I like the over. I thought we would disagree this week because this is one of my favorite games and favorite bets of the week. I think the Steelers have the talent. They've been not playing as well in offense as they should, and I think their defense has been overachieving but has seen some injuries lately, especially to their linebacking core. So I can see the Colts being able to take advantage of some situations. The Colts' offense has been pretty consistent in their scoring. They have a very, very good kicker. So even playing Heinz Field in December, 40-degree day, I think second half especially, there's going to be points in this game. It's not going to be a keep it tight. Steelers going to look to get a little momentum going into the playoffs and really air it out as the running game hasn't been great. The Colts, it doesn't matter who they go against. I think they have so many weapons and the offensive line is so good that their floor is just so high that you got to hit the over. The spread right now, I don't like the minus on the Colts. I, I'm just going to stay away from it. As you said before, there's great value early, although I still might get on there. We'll have to see. So the key to this game is going to be the rushing attack. The Steelers' run game has been horrific. They did okay with Benny Snell last week up against the worst run defense in the league. Sorry, second worst. Forgot about the Cowboys. But 
with James Conner is expected to come back, and that's going to give a lot more validity to this rushing attack. Even though I'm not a James Conner fan, I think he's going to be able to come in and at least threaten that run game a lot more and open up that play-action pass. The last few weeks, Ben has not been able to get that play-action pass going, and that is why the passing attack has fell short. The Colts' run game over the last few weeks with Jonathan Taylor has been incredible. Taylor looks like all the promise he had coming out of the draft. You look at the Steelers' run defense. That has been amazing all season up until about three weeks ago when they started leaking yards, touchdowns, receptions to running backs. Now they look like an average defense from top to bottom. Secondary is still good as long as they have all three pieces. They need Hayden, they need Hilton, and they need Steven Nelson. That's an incredible cornerback lineup. You add that to those two terrific safeties they have, and that secondary is still legit. Unfortunately, the Colts have 50 billion weapons that they can attack you with and will attack you with. This game does definitely look like an over, even with these amazing defenses. Exactly. The Steelers really can't control the middle of the field, even with all of those pieces in the back end. Their linebackers are just so injured and so bad. Dupree, Bush, and then Spillane, who I thought Spillane was playing great for them, filling in for Bush, now out for the year. Steelers are just struggling to adjust. Two, it's been, and now the lineup. Hayward and Watt still look like beasts up front, but that's not enough to have just two really good guys up front to really have this defense excel. Instead, it's been, you know, above average. They gave up 23 points to the football team of Washington. This is not an elite defense at the moment, which is why I really like this over against the Colts who have the running game, have the play action, can go deep, can go intermediate, have receiving back. They just have it all. I love this Colts roster. Absolutely. Now, if we look at the Steelers as a home dog, they are 15-4-2 and two, uh, recently as a home dog against the spread, which definitely shows they are going to want to come out feisty in this game, especially after back-to-back losses. Back-to-back-to-back losses, I mean, for the Steelers. Indianapolis has beaten the spread only once in their last five trips to Pittsburgh as well. So they do definitely play them tough in Pittsburgh. That makes sense to me. The Colts have not played well away until recently, until this year. Five and two away against the Steelers. Been really good at home. It's a shame there's no crowd in this because the atmosphere would absolutely be electric. There's a few player props that I'm going to like in this one. I've been all over a lot of the Colts players lately, so it should be an interesting matchup. Any player props that you like? Yeah, absolutely. So I really like Juju Smith-Schuster for a 35-second TikTok video. (laughs) 
Does he dance on his own logo as well? You know, he does. Even oh, he does, right? So yeah. it's not just the away teams. No, no, no. It's all about him. It's not even. It's just about him being on top of the logo because he's more important than any team. You know, he's the man. It's not about right. The yeah, Classic. he had a shocker last week. So I read a story about a fantasy football player in the semifinals who was up by 0.46 points in his final, and he had Smith-Schuster and Eric Ebron going into the game, and he was up. Ebron out in the first quarter, Schuster minus 0.5, lost the semi by 0.04. That is painful, being up. Two players to play, and you lose. I got extremely lucky in one of my fantasy football semis. I was down by 22, and my opponent had no players left. I had James Connor and Chase Claypool to play. Last second, I checked my team. I dropped Connor from the team and pick up Benny Snell into my running back position. He goes for 80-plus yards, 30 through the air, and scores a touchdown. And I ended up winning by about five or six points. I was absolutely stoked. I have four fantasy football leagues this season. I'm in the finals of three of them. The other one, I believe I'm playing you, Seppo, in the battle for last and second to last. That was not a good thing. That makes sense, as I've done what I usually do and just draft the team and ignore it and do absolutely nothing. So Yeah, please uh, don't change looking. Christian McCaffrey out of your team for this week. Oh, is, is that why I'm bad? <laughs> He's playing all year. Yeah, I, I just didn't have time this year to actually play. Uh, looking forward to getting into some money leagues next year for sure. Uh, for this game, for the props, uh, I'm staying away from Philip Rivers uh, completely, even though I do like him. T.Y. Hilton probably staying away from. I'm more going to lean on Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, and maybe some Pittman and some Pascal. I've been hard on Pascal lately, and I'm probably going to continue that. Yeah, just be careful of Pascal. Mike Hilton is a shut-down slot receiver, so just be a wee bit wary on him. I rate Hilton right now as my number one slot uh, cornerback in the league, so just definitely be careful of anyone coming out of the slot. I agree. I am all for Jonathan Taylor on this. 55 and a half rushing yards. That's too low for Taylor. I'm all over Taylor. I also love Chase Claypool in this one. He gets a really good matchup. And I think Claypool, to get into that end zone, he had two end zone passes last week, and he couldn't hang on to either of them. I think this week he hangs on to at least one and scores a touchdown as well. We were talking about Claypool in the game last week, saying he was the best receiver to target because he had the lower number. When the numbers do get released, check that again. I expect Claypool to have the lower number once again. He's getting the targets. He's been eight, nine, four, six, eight on his targets lately. 
as you said before, he's not really getting them. Part of which is because of the lack of play action. Linebackers aren't really biting too much. So they're trying to get the ball to him. It's just not working out. But with Connor coming back, although I don't hate Snell, Connor's definitely better. So I can see that Steelers' entire offense picking up, which would give him a little more of a chance there. As we say every week, stay away from the Colts' tight ends because you don't know who's actually going to do what this week. Unfortunately, we do like all of them. And I'm just going to double down again, Naheem Hines. Probably more Hines. As you said, Mike Hilton's really good, and the Steelers' linebackers are terrible than actually getting the ball to Pascal for the short passes. Now the next game we have up is the Giants at the Ravens. We've got the Ravens minus 10.5, a total of 44.5. This looks like a defensive showdown. Both these teams have to win this game to stay alive in the playoffs. I think this is going to be a very hard-fought game to the point where whoever wins this game will be in a very difficult spot next week because of how physical this game is going to be. I am completely fine with that as the Ravens play the Bengals next week. So this is the game. Bengals beat the Steelers. Yeah, indeed, indeed. That was more the Steelers lost the game to the Bengals. The Bengals did not win that. It was given to them. This is a terrible matchup for the Ravens. I thought this was the hardest game of these last three that they needed to win to get in and still might not even get in, need a little bit of help. That Giants defensive line is just so good. James Bradbury shut down on the outside. So... Hollywood Brown, I don't see getting open and doing too much with Bradbury back. And just not a good matchup in any way for the Ravens. Going to have to throw the ball to Andrews, to Boykin, to DuVernay. And they haven't been able to do that. So I like the plus. I'm going to stay away from that tart because the Giants offense with especially Colt McCoy could just be horrific and score three points. Yeah. That's one big thing to be looking at for this game. Is it Colt McCoy? Is it Daniel Jones? You probably won't find out until the day of or the day before. If it's Daniel Jones, I love Giants plus the points. Love it. I think that this game will be hard for defensive, and I think the Giants definitely have a shot to at least keep this game close. Either way, I do like the under. The Giants' run defense has been incredible this year. I think they're going to be one of the best teams against the run next year because they will be also looking to solidify that role. They've also been really good against tight ends. So their guy in the middle, Blake Martinez, has been strong. I think the... Raven Mark Andrews does not get a good game this week. No, it's interesting that Blake Martinez, I didn't think was very good signing, but the match is perfect because he doesn't need to be that run filled linebacker where he really got exposed in the playoffs last year. He can just worry about the tight end and dropping into pass coverage because that Giants defensive line just penetration and push 
you can get no real big gaps against it. It might be the best rushing defensive line in the league. So I think the Ravens are going to be creative. You're not going to be able to get any of this, but Sam Kosh to throw some passes. I like there to be some trickeration, some ridiculousness. Uh, Patrick Ricard score a touchdown, even though I say that every week. It's a shame Nick Boyle's on IR because this would definitely be a Nick Boyle week. The problem is I can't see many points in the game. It's possible there is. As you said before, it's so key if Jones or McCoy is playing in this one. Absolutely. So here's the thing. Lamar Jackson, he's not good through the air. He can't throw a ball on a dime at all. Why don't teams rush three guys, set the edge, put a linebacker in spy, and force him to throw the ball? You you got me. Teams don't want to be creative. They're like, we don't run those plays because we need to get pressure. So pressure, pressure. I just think about pressure and sex and pressure because when you get pressure, he runs. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen a little bit of this against Kyler Murray, but not against Lamar. Of Kyler Murray, hey, we're not going to rush the passer. We're just going to go QB contain pretty much every single play. I don't see it against the Ravens possibly because if you're in formations where you're usually dropping people, those are lighter formations, and you can't play light against the Ravens running game. So if you could play that kind of a defense with a 4-3 base, because you usually have to be in a 4-3, that's a good idea. I I, I like why you're thinking, and I hope no one in the NFL listens to this. (laughs) So all the Giants' key players that have been out the last few weeks are practicing today which is definitely a key thing when coming into this game. Player props I like in this game. Darius Slayton, if Danny Dimes plays, I like Slayton to go over his receiving yards. Evan Ingram, I like to have himself a wee bit of a day. The Ravens have been okay against tight ends, but Ingram is one of those guys that just catches balls no matter what, whoever they're playing against. And I like Mark Andrews under his receiving total. Yeah, I agree with that. I think this is going to be a Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, Des Bryant, Miles Boykin, Willie Sneed, none of Hollywood, none of Mark Andrews. I'm most likely going to be doing my first ever SGM with a – I don't know if I'm going to go – Probably the plus Giants and then under Andrews, under Hollywood sounds like a deal to me. Probably under Wayne Goldman as well, as Ravens run defense has been better as a play. Our next game up, we have the Broncos at the Chargers in that revenge game after the Broncos managed to stifle a, well, they got the big fourth quarter comeback in the first episode and then stop the Chargers from throwing it in at the end to win the game. We've got Chargers minus three and a half, a total of 48 and a half. This is going to be a key game for Justin Herbert. 
It is. He's been quite inconsistent as far as the Chargers actually scoring points. But as we'll talk about later, he's going to get the yards. He's going to push the ball deep. He's going to probably make a few mistakes. This Denver team is a lot different than the team at the beginning of the year. This is why I am somewhat leaning Denver and the over, more the over than Denver. Denver's been playing better. Their defense does worry me quite a bit. But luck might be the real deal. I'm not going to buy stock in it yet, but I wasn't a fan before the year, and he's really made a fan in me. He's athletic. He gets some balls batted down here and then because he's not amazingly big, but puts the ball on people in space. Yeah, so the Broncos secondary got torn up against the Bills last week and Josh Allen. Now, I'm not saying Justin Herbert is Josh Allen, but he's not Tyrod Taylor either. So Herbert is definitely going to want to come out and tear up their secondary. Now, there is a chance we're looking at Kareem Jackson coming back to help that secondary out, but that's one piece out of a very long list of injuries. The pass rush is starting to fail them. They don't really have anyone in the way of linebackers right now. The defensive line can't get anything up the middle. They're struggling to stop the run. This defense is just a complete over-defense. In fact, the the Broncos right now are an over-team. Because like you say, yes, I do like Drew Locke right now. I don't like the weapons he has to use, but he's really starting to show that he has potential to actually be a somewhat decent quarterback. Well done, John Elway. Yeah, hey, he lucked into it. I don't think he has anything to do with completely lucking into a second rounder actually working out. Usually the second rounders don't. Part of the reason why I don't love some of these matchups, especially with the Tart, is Chargers offense can be really inconsistent although they have looked better with Eckler back. Big fan of Eckler. He looked great even against the Falcons when they only scored 20. They could score only in the teens, but I do see the over being a pretty good bet in this one. Yeah, so the over for me comes down to if those Chargers receivers can get healthy in time. You've got Keenan Allen and Mike Williams were both severely banged up last week. Keenan Allen basically came in and played a few snaps in the red zone, and that was about it for him. Joey Bosa is also banged up. So those are key guys to be keeping an eye on, although Bosa being out probably gives a bit more validity to the over. So Keenan Allen is definitely one to watch. Although Jalen Guyton and Johnson did a great job last week in being able to keep that ball moving down the field. Now, the Chargers are the favorites. They're supposed to win this game, which means Anthony Lynn is going to find some type of way to screw this up. This is the only reason I'm on the plus. It's not because I think the Broncos have the better team. It's just I don't trust the Chargers in any way, shape, or form to perform how they're supposed to, that offense to actually score touchdowns. I think they're going to move the ball with ease. 
this is why, as we'll get the player props later, there's some really good value in some yardage. I just don't know if touchdowns will actually be scored. I could see McManus going crazy in this one for sure. I hope so because that XFL kicker was terrible. Oh, he was bad. I need to write to Pat McAfee about that. Our boy really didn't do us very well. Manus is back. I don't know. Okay. Activated. He's activated. Well, that's positive at least. (laughs) Yes. Positive that he's negative. Getting into some player props here. Justin Herbert, over 263 passing yards. We have been on the Justin Herbert over passing yards a few times and selected spots throughout the season. We probably should have been on it a lot more because this boy has a cannon. This should be 280. Absolutely. Now, to be honest, I don't even mind if Keenan Allen and Mike Williams aren't playing. Neither. I think Herbert still throws the ball downfield. Especially yeah. when you look, when even with Austin Eckler, he's throwing the ball to Austin Eckler more than Eckler's running the ball. Completions, who knows? But the yards, this could be another one where we hit the yards in the first half, which Herbert's come close to doing a few times and may have actually done one of those times. He did well against the Denver Broncos. Sure, as I said, this should be 284 and above not low 260s. This is done third quarter. So the other guys that I have here for the Chargers, we've got Johnson, Kenan Allen, Mike Williams, all injury dependent. So these are numbers you're going to have to check out when inactives come out 90 minutes before the game because these guys you need to keep an eye out to see who's actually going to be playing. Be very careful with Keenan Allen. He played last week on a very limited snap count. And if he does that again, he's going to go under his total. But because he played on that limited snap count last week, you would think he'd rest most of this week and he should be good to go next week. But just keep an eye out for that. Try to get some information just before the game to see how that goes. Agreed. I also like some Tim Patrick, not a lot, just a little bit. Judy and Hamler are a bit inconsistent, so going to stay away from them. Either could have a big game, but I can't really pick it. Rookie wide receivers inconsistent with a young quarterback. One of them could go over 100, or they could get 10 yards, so staying away from large. Yeah, Hamler screwed me on a huge multi last week. Uh, huge SGM, I mean, I had... Josh Allen over, Cole Beasley over, Stefan Diggs over, Tim Patrick under, and Hamler over, and he screwed me on that part. Oh, that would have been a big one. Yeah. And now for the Broncos, the only guy I would be looking towards would be Noah Fant. This guy looks like he's just week in, week out, going to be catching those balls and getting those receiving yards. 45 and a half is a little high, but if you can get four and a half receptions, that looks pretty nice for no offense. Yeah, especially if that's going to be two to one over just getting regular money for the over 45. You never really know on the goal line. He could catch two three balls in the red zone as they're trying to get it in, as the running game has not been amazing, especially near the goal line. 
Our next game up, we have the Rams at the Seahawks. Seahawks are minus one and a half right now and a total of 47 and a half. This is a crucial game when it comes to seeding for the playoffs. The Seahawks can clinch the division with a victory this week. The Rams need to be able to get that win to have that chance at any type of home field advantage in the first round. This is going to be a very fun game. I think I like the Rams in this matchup. I don't like how the Seahawks have been playing at all. I think they've had some really, really good matchups and not done amazingly with them, or it was just so easy it didn't matter. So I don't like them right now in the playoffs. By then, they might have gotten their offensive line issues sorted out. Right now, their line is terrible. Wilson looks a bit off because of it. Their passing game, especially deep, has not been nearly as good. And the Rams coming off a terrible game, like a bit of a bounce back there. Absolutely. So I think betting on the spread in this game is a fool's game. This game most likely will start getting interesting at the two-minute mark of the fourth quarter. We could have three touchdowns after that two-minute mark of the fourth quarter. This just has the feel of an overtime game. I think it's going to be a great game to watch. It's going to be exciting. But I don't see a lot of points being scored, especially in the first half of this game. I think both teams are going to come out slow and the defenses are going to be strong. So the Seattle defense started off terribly. They were on historic pace to be epically bad. They have come leaps and bounds. A lot of this has to do with their pass rush. As soon as Carlos Dunlap got into that team, this this defense has really started to come along nicely. The Rams defense obviously is incredible. Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Brockers, like this is a very, very stout defense. And these are two teams that you would generally expect to be over teams with their offenses, but this just looks like a defensive game. It does. As you said, it could be nine to six in the third quarter and then a touchdown early in the fourth and then three in the last four minutes at the end of the game. So I'm probably going to fade this game completely, although from what you've been saying, I can see some value on a under first half instead of the total with that possible overtime. And as we know, as you said before, Bulls game betting on the spread in this one. Seahawks divisional games are just ridiculous. doesn't matter who they play against. It's going to be a close game. It's going to come down to a few inches here or there, a toe tap here or there. Are you out of bounds or inbounds? Is that a catch, not a catch? I just, if Tupac would go the Rams because I see the matchups being in their favor, Metcalf not being able to do anything against Ramsey and Donald just wreaking havoc. Definitely. So the Seattle Tigers had six unders in a row. The Rams always play to the under. Now, after a slow start, Jamal Adams has hit his strides. This guy is absolutely flying right now. 
he has picked up 10 and a half, I believe, or 11 sacks. It's the most amount of sacks ever by a defensive back. This guy has been brilliant rushing the passer, and he's been really good in run defense as well. I think if he didn't get hurt, he's going to be defensive player of the year. It's still a possibility. If you bet on such things, I don't, I don't trust the NFL voting process nearly as much. Maybe a little MVP here and there. But it's some value there for him. He could get up to 13, 14 sacks and just obliterate a record, which is definitely a way to get that uh, defensive player of the year. I, he's uh, worth it. I think that's a good trade for the Seahawks. Absolutely. Now, the Rams have had a habit of playing down to their competition, not just this season, the last few years. That's what happened last week. They played down to the level of the Jets. They also played up to their competition, so they will be going up to the level where Seattle is right now as well. Jared Goff usually bounces back pretty well after a hard defeat and I can see them definitely wanting to come all out. Now, as we were saying before, that first half under, I did have a look. It's at under 23 points, so I can see some value there, and that's at over $2 as well. Yeah, I was hoping to get 24 at less than $2, to be honest, because that 24, that three touchdowns field goal sounds a lot tastier than a couple touchdowns, a couple field goals. Uh, Any player props you like on this one? Yeah, so DK Metcalf, this guy started the season on fire. I think he went over 90 receiving yards his first five or six games in a row. He's had a few huge outings where he's gone over 150. And four of his last six games, he hasn't been able to reach 70 yards. That's where his number's at this week. It's at 73 and a half receiving yards. Now, if we just follow the trend, going under looks like the bet. Now add in the fact he's going to be tailed off the bus by Jalen Ramsey, the best cornerback in the league. When they matched up in the first game this season, DK Metcalf had two receptions for 28 receiving yards. And I can see more of the same this week. So I'm going to take a big under on DK Metcalf, 73 and a half receiving yards. I really hope you can get access at some point. It's possible now. I've seen it here and there. Go under 50. You're going to get value. If, if it's even money for 71, you take 20 yards off that, which is probably going to happen because Seattle is still going to keep the ball on the ground, so they're going to have to have some balance. Metcalf isn't catching the ball deep. He could get his five and a half receptions, but it might go for 43 yards. Now, I don't usually like letting people know which websites in that we're looking at, which books we're looking at, but just because you brought that one up, and it's Christmas, I'll let you know, topsport.com.au they give out a lot of alternate lines on player props. So you should be able to get some lower lines at top sport. Good to hear. Thanks for that there, Caveman, and Merry Christmas to all. Now, other ones I like here, we have got 
Cooper Cup over five and a half receptions. This just has the feeling of a Cooper Cup day. Last time we had a feeling it was going to be a Cooper Cup day was the Tampa Bay game, and he ended up with, what, 650 receptions for God knows how many yards and touchdowns. Our next game up, we have the Philadelphia Eagles at the Dallas Cowboys. We've got the Cowboys plus two points, a total of 49 and a half. Now, this Eagles team looks completely different with Jalen Hurts under center and Carson Wentz warming the bench where he should have been all season. I think this is going to be a hard-fought game in the NFC East, but I think the Cowboys can do just enough to creep out a victory, especially with that depleted Eagles secondary right now. Exactly. The Eagles just don't have enough bodies to match up against the Cowboys, who I don't even mind Schultz. He's not amazing, but between Pollard, who knows what Zeke's doing, don't really care. Pollard's been really, really good. Those three wide receivers, the offensive line has been improving. It's still not great, but it's not horrific anymore. It's better than Phillies. Philadelphia's offensive line is still an absolute mess. It's really hit and miss. Sometimes they can open up huge holes in the running game, and then in the passing game, Hurts is running for his life. As far as the defense goes, I worry that the Cowboys aren't coached amazingly well still, but they've been getting better, and there's some tape on Hurts. I don't know how expanded the playbook is going to be in Hurts' first away start. They might protect him a little bit. So I can't get a good read on the total, I was leaning over early because the Eagles can run the ball, but I think I'm just going to stay away from total. Yeah, so the total, I would be leaning towards the over, but I definitely don't love it. Not one bit. I think the Cowboys have got a decent shot to get in this game. The Eagles have been strong up front on defense. Their pass rush and run defense has been really good. But outside of that, they haven't been able to do much. Now, with the Eagles on offense, Jalen Hurts has been great running the football, and Miles Sanders is having a wee bit of a renaissance now that Hurts has come in. The Cowboys have been brilliant at stopping receiving backs, and I can see that carrying on. So don't be looking too much into... Miles Sanders getting any receiving yard props in this. In fact, you could probably go the other way and take his receiving number under. Agreed. Jalen Smith is great. He's very athletic. So he's not hammering the run too well, but making athletic plays in space, being able to bring guys down, just not able to shed blocks point of attack. But in space, they have plenty of guys like him as well that can shut that down while still letting you run all over them. I don't know if I think this is going to be the third week in a row that it's elite. I don't think the line is going to be able to consistently do that this week and next week. So this is the third Jalen Hurst week. Week number one, they beat the Saints – which was a terrible spot for the Saints in that game. Week number two, 
They lost at the Cardinals, which was a pretty bad spot for the Cardinals in that game, and the Cards still got the win when what ended up being a bit of a shootout. Week number three, are their wide receivers, offensive line, running back, are they going to want to keep playing up for Jalen Hurts? I don't think they have three weeks in them. They had two great weeks. I just don't see them having a third. Yeah, it's just even if you're elite, if you're Patrick Mahomes, it's not that easy to have three really good weeks in a row. So you bet on a dog like the Cowboys. If the Cowboys win, you win. If the Eagles win but don't cover, you win. But if the Eagles win big, you lose. That's two out of three chances. Mm. That's just I'm, something I, I heard. I thought, wow, that's that's a really good way of looking at betting on dogs. Yeah, I'm I'm down. I as I said before in, in our chat, I'm more plus than minus, especially late in the year. These teams don't really go for the blowouts as much. It happens randomly, but I see this being a close game. Someone's going to make a mistake at the end. Uh, it's hard to trust Dalton. But the matchup for me means with the Cowboys. Absolutely. Now, player props in this one. As I was saying, I want some Miles Sanders receiving yards under. But I want some Miles Sanders rushing yards over. Now, I know Doug Peterson, he doesn't like running the ball, even though the Eagles have the best yards per attempt in the NFL He just does not like running the ball against the worst rush defense in the NFL. He probably should run it, you would think, but I'm not going to have, I'm not going to be able to stake any money on that, but I do still like Sanders rush yards over. I like Tony Pollard's receiving yards over. Yep. Not so hot on his rush yards this week, just because it's a pretty good run defense on the Eagles. But for Pollard to catch some passes out of the backfield, I like that one. I really don't understand the Eagles at all. They were up in that game pretty late as well, and they have 44 passes against 29 rushes. And you have a terrible offensive line. What are you doing, Doug Peterson? You're so hit and miss. I don't know what tier to put you in. You could be one of the worst coaches or one of the best. No idea. So Dallas Goddard gets a really good matchup. He's starting to become Jalen Hurts' favorite target. Him and Jalen Rager, who I like Rager receptions. Obviously numbers haven't quite come out for this game yet, but if you can get that Rager receptions number like we did last week at two and a half, I would Mm. be taking that one all day Long. Amari Cooper. I like Amari Cooper this week if Darius Slay is out. If Slay plays, I will fade it. If Slay is out, Amari Cooper is in for a day. Gallup has a wee bit of a question mark himself just because of coming off the field last week. So we need to just do a wee bit more, have a bit more of a look into Gallup to see how restricted he's going to be. I have a feeling he may end up on a snap count this week, which is good news for Cedric Wilson, 
who is that yep. number four receiver. Uh, the only other guy I have on my sheet is CeeDee Lamb, who gets a pretty nice matchup in the slot. Yeah, love me some CeeDee Lamb. Score touchdown as well. I, I haven't seen the number yet, but would most likely be on that. So looking like Rager, Rager Goddard, Lamb, and depending on matchup, Cooper for player props in this one. And that, that Sanders receiving under. All right, our next game up, we have the Bengals at the Texans. So the Bengals are at plus eight. The total is 46 and a half. The Bengals got that huge win up against the Steelers last week, but there's no way they can carry on that form when they're not playing a divisional rival. The Texans, again, lost the game. This time they were going for the title force overtime at the end of the game against the Colts. That's twice in a row versus the Colts this season. They have managed to screw it up at the end. That's got to be demoralizing for them. They're either going to come out fired up to get a huge win or they are going to be packing it in, giving the game away, saying, Cronell, just go and retire. You're old. Call it a day, and we'll be back next year with not so- I, I can't bet on this game because I'm not an addict anymore anyway. You're telling me Romeo Cornell led team is getting eight points against anyone? Yeah. What I I don't get it, but there's no way I can bet it because that means I would have to watch the game and I just really want this game to be over so I can see how Deshaun Watson did and a few of the Bengals position players. Other than that, do not care, will not be watching. Lots of other good games going on at the same time. I'm surprised they didn't be like, yo, we're just a, we're going to flex this game out of the schedule. Just like, don't. It's all good. We'll just give you both a tie. That would be two ties for the Bengals, and that's pretty cool. Now, I've got an interesting one for you here. So, coaching jobs next season. You've got Texans, Lions, Falcons. You've got Jets. Jaguars, most probably. Any other coaching jobs that are definitely going to be up? Patriots, maybe? No, I, I just... <laughs> I mean, he could leave at any time. He could be one of those guys you never really know. Also, Elway is quite unpredictable. Anthony Lynn's going to be... Oh, Chargers. Absolute Chargers. Hold on. Let's, let's just go with those original five here to begin with. So you've got yeah. Jets, Jags, Texans, you've got Falcons, and Lions. Who's your favorite job? As a head coach, where do you want to go? That is difficult. I'm going to go very, very, very against what most people would think. I'm going to the Lions match. Okay. The owner's going to let me do whatever I want. I still have Stafford. I'm going to be given some time. That whole organization is just so messed up and terrible coaching and just terrible everything for so long. that If you can get the team average, you're God. If you can get four seasons in a row of, you know, 10 to 9 and 7. 
So I'm going for low-hanging fruit in Detroit Lions. Although there's much more potential other places, I'm taking the safe route. How about you? Well, the, the reason I bring this up in this game here is because I think out of those five, the job I want the least is the Texans job. Yeah, no, they just asset-wise, value-wise, they're it's, it's very terrible. Hard. That, yeah. that defense is so old, you're going to lose every good defensive piece. Their offense has terrible contracts from top to bottom. Deshaun Watson is your only really good weapon that's been locked down. Like everyone else, I don't want a part of that Texans team. Um, the, actually- wrong, the wrong Houston star is holding out and causing a ruckus. Should be Deshaun Watson skipping stuff and going to strip clubs without a mask. Not James Harden. James Harden, <laughs> this is your undoing. Deshaun Watson, this is none of his fault at all. I don't blame him. I, I've tried to bet his over a few times I, just because I feel bad for him. and I think he's talented, but it doesn't matter in his current situation. Things are just so bad, which is why I, if I was to bet, you know, I might bet 10, 50 cents on a Bengals plus eight. Yeah, so anyway, uh, Trevor Lawrence or not, I want the Jets shop. Oh, so you're doing the opposite of me, and you're going for the high profile, getting a whole bunch of shit for every single thing you do. Okay, so I'm the wuss, and you're the badass caveman. (laughs) No, I just think the Jets have so much potential, and they have so much talent. Uh, Their offensive and defensive line, they've got some great pieces sitting there. Uh, obviously their defense needs a revamp in the secondary. Their linebackers will be good when CJ mostly comes back next year. You've got a lot of potential on those wide receivers. You know, Crowder, Mims, Perryman, they all have high, high, high ceilings. I think it's just a, a decent team. Like you, Once you add a quarterback and a good young running back, like that team is definitely ready to compete year two. Oh, for sure. I I agree that they have the most potential out of those. I'll just go in with safe pick where I know I've got Stafford for two years. There's still some young talent I don't think there. Stafford's there next year. I no hope matter so. who the head coach is, Stafford's gone. Really? You think so? Yeah, I think Stafford's gone. Stafford goes to the 49ers. Yeah, I, I have this feeling. Stafford goes to the 49ers. If if we don't trade Kirk there. You really think you're going to get something for him? I agree. Even it doesn't this- matter if we get anything or not. We could actually trade him, and there's a, a short window between the season ending and the yeah, new like season beginning. Days, yeah, where we can actually save money by trading him. So there's like this very, very small window where he's actually tradable. And then after that, he becomes a complete liability for two years. Kirk Cousins seems like a guy that isn't long for continuing to be sacked as much as he is currently. Anyway, the Texans' offensive line is leaky as hell. The Bengals love to blitz. Tyler Boyd is in concussion protocol. Both these teams want this season to be over. That's actually all I've got on this game, apart yeah. from player props. Yep, that's it for me as well. I got nothing on the total. There's no way I could bet on the total, even 10 cents. Staying oh, no, this well is fade game of the week. I concur. So, player props. Jordan Akins comes back in a big way on this game. 
The Bengals have been horrific against tight ends. If Eric Ebron hadn't got knocked the hell out last week, then he would have had himself a day. Stupid play by Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, let's throw the ball into triple coverage to our tight end who's streaking across the field. Not worry about Chase Claypool, who's beaten his man and is completely open, waving his arm in the air, saying, throw me the ball. I'm going to score a touchdown. Now, throw the ball into triple coverage and get your tight end not the hell out. As we both know, Ben Roethlisberger doesn't really think of the consequences of his actions. He just sees something he likes and goes for it no matter what the situation. Uh, That pass to Juju when Juju got nailed by Mackenzie Alexander. Alexander is playing better this season than he ever did for the Vikings as well. Oh, him and Bell, I actually like on that Bengals. That Bengals team could be good next year. I would not count them out. I don't know about their coaching still, which is weird to say two years in, but yeah, I would not count the Bengals out, especially if Burrow is playing a full season next year. Absolutely. Giovanni Bernard gets a great matchup up against a terrible Texans run defense. So I'll take some Bernard this week as well. Although beware that backfield is a committee between about three different guys right now, all backups. So just be careful a wee bit on Bernard. But I also like A.J. Green. Green should match up against Vernon Hargraves. And we have been taking the Vernon Hargraves matchup all season long. And we're going to continue it, uh, especially where Green has like a six and a half foot height advantage over him and should just be able to put his hand up and one hand some balls. A top four cornerback in the league right now. He should be, you know, a fifth or a practice squatter. Probably will be next year once people actually watch the tape. He's just absolutely horrific. And still, effort comes and goes. It's hilarious. There should be some really good highlights of him on YouTube. Hopefully, someone is a big fan of watching him kind of run next to people and almost push him out of bounds. Our next game up this week, we have Sunday Night Football with the Titans at the Packers. And what a game this is going to be. I don't have a lot I like about this game from a betting sense, but when it comes to actually watching a game, this is going to be cracker. We've got the Packers minus three and a half, 56 is the total. Derek Henry wants to get to 2,000. He's going to have himself some running game. He really is. I think he has a chance to get 140-plus in this game. Packers run defense been up and down, but the Titans pass defense is so bad that Rodgers could go for 380 to 400 in this game, depending on what kind of balance they have. I like the under because it's possible both teams treat this as a playoff game, although it's also possible the Packers are resting a bit here and there as they have that division locked up. 
even though they do want to get a number one seed, might be hard. Who knows? Going to fade the spread. Just cannot bet it. There's, I have no lean in any way. It's going to be coin flip. Yeah, and it's going to be cold. We are sitting at below freezing in this game. So that's why I'm slightly leaning towards the under, just because it's going to be such a cold day and 56 is a lot of points. I have a slight lean as well over the total in the first half, under the total in the second half. I think these two teams, both they both come out strong. They are both being first-half teams all season long. And I think that continues into this game with a wee bit of a regression into the second half as they start to figure each other out on defense. Agreed. I especially think Rodgers and Adams are going to start off on fire. It's really hard to stop them in those scripted plays early as they get a really, really good rhythm pretty quick. So I still don't know how much I can trust either of those, but I agree with your assessment on which half is going to be bigger and smaller. So if you can SGM that, probably some value there. As everyone knows, it's fun to bet on a game where there are two actual good teams involved, get ready for the playoffs, etc. This could be a passing game, first half, running game, second half. Definitely. Now, Devontae Adams, over 89.5 receiving yards, 7.5 receptions, and he gets Malcolm Butler, who had that one good game ever, like yeah. ever, ever. And it, was it wasn't even a good game. It was one it was good play. It was just a bad call, really. It was a bad play call. Marshawn Lynch run that ball from the one-yard line. Instead, they throw the ball straight to Malcolm Butler, Super Bowl over, and he gets a lot of money for that pass, for that catch. Indeed. Uh, For Adams, I like the yardage more than the seven and a half just because he can get that yardage in four catches where he might get 12, 14 targets, but eight is just pretty high for a reception. Now, I'm going back to the well with Adams as well. I missed it last week, but I'm going back to a first-half receiving touchdown this week. It has now hit in seven of the last nine games instead of seven of the last eight, and I think it goes to eight out of ten. I agree. As we said before, this is going to be a passing first-half, rushing second-half kind of a game. I think for both teams that it's going to be backwards to what they're used to of running to then establish the pass. And this does happen in the NFL quite a bit these days that you have to kind of work backwards. So you might be a bit nervous if you hit the 56 under in the first half. I still think it's going to come, going to come in, but might be a little more value there just going second half under, even though there's a little bit of risk there at the end that Rogers just goes crazy if he's down. Absolutely. Now, A.J. Brown should have a decent enough matchup. I think J.R. Alexander ends up on Corey Davis in this game. So A.J. Brown should be able to get himself underneath a wee bit more. And I like Robert Tonyan. The Titans haven't been great against tight ends this season. Tonyan managed to get that touchdown that we called last week. Whoop, whoop. So I can see Tonyan yeah. having another good game this week too. Indeed. I'm probably going to hit Henry. It's 
under a hundred, so he's gone over a hundred oh, quite a few times for the last five. It's hard to exactly trust because he could get fifty, and the Titans could only score seventeen points as they have a few times. But I don't see that being likely. He's just going to be a beast. Well, Vrabel came out and said uh, a couple of weeks ago he wants to try and get Henry two thousand. You know, he's close enough. It's not really going to affect their seeding and where they end up by running the ball. Running the ball is going to help them more than anything. So I think they're really going to try and push Henry this week. Obviously, they get the Texans next week where Henry will have himself an absolute monster day. I've already locked him into my DFS lineup next week. He's probably going over 203 scores. But this week, I can still see him, yeah, getting close to that 140, 150 mark and taking a bit of pressure off what he's going to have to do next week. Well, that does it for another episode of the Bigger Pell Collective. Thank you for listening. We are, of course, brought to you in association with Black Swan Bets. Get on to BlackSwanBets.com to take advantage of their great tips and offers. And, of course, all of our best bets. We hope you enjoyed our content. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our Facebook page so we can continue to bring you more amazing videos. Merry Christmas, everybody.